Hi, and welcome to the Gvahim Tech Podcast, the podcast for Olim and soon-to-be Olim software engineers and data scientists. In this episode, we'll talk to Benjamin Figdor, a global talent sourcer for AppsFire, and we'll be talking about the tech hiring process here in Israel. Benjamin himself is an OLF from Australia, and in this episode, we'll cover topics such as the hiring process for software engineers in AppsFlyer, how to make yourself memorable and stand out in a job search, and whether you can apply for a job before making Aliyah, and whether you can get a job in a company like AppsFlyer without knowing any Hebrew. And what is a referral? How does it work? And why is it so important to get a job in Israel? And how does an OLE get a referral if you don't have that many connections? So are you an OLE or soon to be OLE software engineer or data scientist? Then join Claim Tech Heights free program and community, which includes one-to-one HR consultations, mentorship, interview simulations, and an active community of people just like yourself. My name is Jari Neiman, Program Manager for Kvahim Tech. Welcome, and let's dive right into it. Welcome to the Tech Heights podcast, uh, which is part, which is Kvahim Tech's uh, podcast for, for the program for software engineers and data scientists. So today I am with Benjamin Figdor from uh, AppsFire. So welcome, Benjamin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you, you first of all, you're, you're an Ole yourself from Australia um, and you've been living here for how many years? So um, I moved to Israel just over 10 years ago. Long story short is I came on a gap year, decided, you know what, I'm going to volunteer for the army, did the army. I thought life's good. I'm going to stay here. And I dabbled in a whole bunch of different jobs ranging from the tourism industry to sports analysis. Um, I... I'm a qualified uh, social worker. Um, and then eventually I found myself up and in, in, ending here in, uh, in recruitment and specifically talent sourcing. Um, talent sourcing, for those who don't know much about it, I work as part of the recruiting team. And I was flying. My job is essentially to go out and find the candidates for the recruiters and hiring managers to interview. So I could be using a range of different platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, which is the most common, but it could be Facebook, um, different WhatsApp channels, Telegram channels, meetup groups, or technology platforms, wherever essentially the candidates are. My job is to go out and find them, get them interested in different roles we have at AppsFlyer. In all profiles you're looking, you're both sales, marketing, and engineering? Or? So um, in the beginning of AppsFlyer, I was working on pretty much everything. And while I do have a lot of experience working in technology roles, these days I actually focus on anything but R&D and product. Um, so it means... Um, sales, customer success, analyst roles, um, occasionally BI, marketing, um, HR, pretty much anything that's not specifically software engineering or product these days, um, both in Israel and overseas in a range of different markets. Okay, so you're not only hiring for AppFlyer in Herzliya, you're also hiring for AppFlyer abroad? Correct. So yeah. we have recruiters both here in, in Israel and we have, we have some recruiters in the US. I focus mainly on roles here in Israel and on roles in Latin America and Latin America and across Europe. Okay, cool. So um, give us an overview of the hiring process in AppsFlyer. Okay, so um, let's split into, kind of split into uh, technology roles or like R&D roles and product roles versus say other customer facing roles. Um, in the end of the day, it's a similar, similar process but there are some differences. Um, if you're looking at, say, R&D, software engineer roles or product roles, you'll normally have, say, it'll start with the application review, which is normally CV screening. 
Um, you'll have a phone interview either with the recruiter or with the hiring manager, and then you'll have a, normally about three technical interviews, which will cover, say, um, coding. If it's a software engineer role, you're talking about coding, problem solving, and then also um, software architecture. Um, afterwards, you'll have an HR interview, which is a standard behavioral interview aimed at understanding your motivation for the role of the company, what your long-term ambitions are, um, how you see yourself growing within the company, and then an executive interview. An executive interview is normally means meeting with the department manager or the regional manager for that role. So that's focusing on um, on software engineer roles or product roles. You have something like that. Product engine, product roles, sorry, you also normally have a presentation because there's a lot of verbal skills that have to be tested and written skills. Um, so those are really the, I guess, the R&D or the, or the software engineer roles and the product roles with customer-facing roles with its customer success, um, support engineer, sales. Those type of roles, it's normally a slightly shorter process. You're normally talking about um, CV screening, a phone interview, or sometimes a video submission instead, where we'll ask you to submit a two-minute video answering some questions about yourself. Um, then there'll be the first interview is an interview with a with direct hiring manager just to understand your general experience. Then there'll be a presentation. We'll send you a deck of our products, and your job is to essentially present as if you were working with a potential customer. Afterwards, it's an HR interview, like I said, and then the executive interview meeting with the department manager or regional manager. So it's slightly shorter in terms of that it's really four interviews instead of, I think, five. And there's sometimes, a, instead of a phone interview, there's a video submission. Cool. So you're obviously, you're also interviewing a lot of uh, Israeli Sabres who've yeah. grown here, and also Olim, of course. Yeah. Is the international experience like an advantage or how do you see that? How does it play a role? So I think obviously if we're talking about a role that means working with foreign markets, sure. then obviously it's it not only is an advantage, but it's almost a must being able to understand the cultures because it's not really just about language. It's about being able to connect with the culture and with the people of that culture. Okay. Um, but aside from that, I think it, it comes with experience. You look at the differences and some of the differences relate to, I think, it, just how you communicate with them on a day-to-day -day basis or motivation. Take, for example, people who come from Ukraine, Russia, or from those surrounding markets. A lot of them come to Israel with greater motivation because they've come from a rougher lifestyle and they're coming to a lifestyle which offers a lot more. But another aspect you can look at is if you take people who come from the UK or from the US, there's a, the switch there or what's different is really how we're not really, we're not really formal here in Israel. Um, if you look at roles, I've, I've hired, I hire for roles in, in the UK and I've done so in the US in the past. And the way we process time, the rate that we move throughout the hiring process is a lot slower for those roles because you're booking an interview with a candidate, you're generally booking it in a week in advance. Okay, but once you come here to Israel, we can just call you up and say, hey, do you, are you free to interview this afternoon? Are you free for a call this afternoon? The shock for people who come from these types of countries where it's more formal and less direct is that we move a lot quicker. And there's... We'll call you up, we'll send you a WhatsApp message instead of just sending you an email asking when you're free. So we move quicker and also just comes, it comes down to the day-to-day -day communication. So you, we, we, actually in the, in the event I attended that in Hatsalia, you talked about the, the, the time to hire. Yeah. So how did you, how, how was it before and how is it now? So we, first of all, one of the things, as I mentioned, is we, we can, we shut, our process is now shorter. Yeah. Okay. We realized particularly for customer facing roles, we had a, bulk of roles, about 30 old roles, which we had, which we had to hire in three months mm -hmm. across Europe and Latin America. And we thought, okay, how can we shorten it? Okay. So we decided, you know, we're cutting down the amount of interviews. And it means that if we need to bring in another interview, we're going to add them to an existing inter interview. Okay. Let's reduce the amount of interviews we also and have. Do you feel that like the quality has then been, or the, 
are you able to make the right decision still? Yeah. As long as you as a hiring team, whether it's the, the all the interviewers and anyone involved in the hiring process is calibrated and knows what to expect and knows that what we're measuring or what we're trying to assess in each interview or each stage, then I think it's fine. I think there was a research research done by Google a couple of years ago, which actually said like, I think after four or five interviews, the you don't really gain that much, much more from the interview process. Mm. So really it gets to a point where if, unless it's a senior role in the company, we are talking about an executive director, something like that, having seven interviews, <laughs> you're going to realize that, uh, that you're going to have one interview, two interviews where you're just asking the same things. Yeah. And so it really comes down to what are we trying to measure? Like I said, or what are you trying to assess? And that's kind of where if you look at customer facing roles, like customer success or sales, it's on the one hand, we want to know your experience. After that, we want to know how you communicate. We do a role play. Then yeah. it really comes down to personality wise. And then simply getting the green light from the, from the manager for the reason. That's why we cut it down to those four interviews. And if we need to add an interview, we'll add them to an existing interview. So you cut off the fat. You cut, exactly. you cut it onto the... And then it, if we have any questions at the end or if there are things we haven't decided, we can always have, get all the hiring managers and the interviewers together and say, okay, what do we think? What are, what are our concerns? What are our dilemmas before we extend an offer? Mm -hmm. But also another thing that you mentioned is that you also... I'm more these that you're more um, pushing the hiring managers to respond quicker, right? That was also one of yeah, the absolutely. So um, we use Slack as our internal messaging system, and we've actually done a lot of on automation to the point where um, recruiters will get a message um, if a candidate has has not had seen any change in their status in five days. Mm. So they'll get they'll get a message saying, "Hey, hi, so and so, um, this candidate for the following role has seen no activity." in their recruiting, in our recruiting system in the past five days. Mm -hmm. Please decide what to do with them. So that's something that's nudging them, okay? Our, whoever conducts an interview gets anywhere between one to three notifications to fill out their feedback from the interview. And so if that doesn't work, then, they, then the recruiter for the role is gonna nudge them to make sure that we keep moving things along. Whether we wanna move someone to the next stage or reject them, it's how do we keep these the things going forward? Um, you spoke also about reducing your time to high. It comes down to also making sure that applications aren't in the application stage, the CVs aren't in application stage for more than a day or so. Mm. Especially in Israel where there's such a small market and it's highly competitive, you really can't afford to extend the process out too much. So uh, do, you, um, do you see any difference in the way that internationals or Olim, um, the way that they interact within in the hiring process or also when they work in, in, in Israel compared to Israelis or the way they even they present themselves when they get to the interviews? Yeah, I think definitely if you, you look at some people when they, come from, when they come from overseas, they just, if they're working in a role which requires native English and it requires being able to present, obviously they're going to do a lot better as a native English speaker because it's their sure. mother tongue. If they need to present something, they're not going to be really struggling as much as the Israelis who it's their second or second or third language, really. So I'm not talking only about in, in those positions. Let's say yeah. the software development positions or the, the technical positions. Um, where language is not such a big factor. The way that they're approaching it, the way that they're talking, are, they, are there any, um, you see any differences in the, maybe in the, in the way they present themselves and, and, and there's the self-confidence or the way they, they, they... So I wouldn't say as much, but I can definitely say that they're more memorable. Because mm. you look at that, you look at someone who's got a unique story, mm -hmm. first of all, they're more likely to impress. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to impress people with it. Because the, the hiring managers will be talking about amongst themselves. That person who's who's got that story, got that unique story, they're going to leave a, more of a lasting impression as opposed to just your everyday Israeli. Mm. So that's something that kind of take into account is you've got something unique to offer. 
if you know how to pitch it well, people are going to remember that. So there's an unfulfilled potential sometimes. They're there's not an... really using it enough, right? Exactly. They actually use it. The opposite is kind of like they're trying to um, not hide it, but kind of like um, leverage it. Leverage it. Not leverage it. They don't leverage it enough, actually, mm. right? So um, great. So what is your perspective on, on hiring um, talents that are abroad currently, considering LA? So they're not yet here, but they, they're maybe coming in three or four months. Is that something that um, a company like AppSire would be willing to take a risk on? Or they're like, you know, you come, when you come, let's talk. And then before that, let's... I think it comes down to, do you have a fixed date that you're coming or not? Yeah. Because if it's very vague and there's a lack of commitment, they're less likely to take it. But if you can say, okay, I've already got everything organized. I'm waiting for my flight. It's in August. Okay, then there's, okay, like, they're going to be away for a few months, but then eventually they're going to join our team. But if it's just airy-fairy and not really clear then people aren't really going to take a risk especially when it means that if you're working on a team and there's that time zone difference if you if you're talking about whether it's the us or latin america or whatever it is but if there's a significant time zone difference then you can't really collaborate well with the team so logistically okay but it's not only a logistic problem it's also a psychological right that you yeah. you know someone you feel like you haven't done made the commitment yet you don't want to take a risk on him because you have someone down, down the street who could, who's Israeli, who's here right now, could do it. There's that, yeah. there's also purely from, from also legal perspective. Mm. There's, yeah. can, how am I employing them? Exactly. It's also, it's, am I paying them, what currency am I paying them in? Yeah. Am I paying them in shekels, in euros, pounds, dollars, you name it. Um, so it's all that legal aspect yeah. that you really have to take into account when you're considering employing someone who's currently overseas, even if they're planning on moving here. Yeah, we get that. Um, so do you, but do you see, and, and I want to go into that a little bit more, like do you see that some ulim are actually, um, they're undervaluing themselves, not only um, when they're hiring, when they're um, in the process, in the end of the process, especially with regards to the salaries yeah. and stuff like that. Do they know, do you feel that they know what they're really worth or they sometimes just undervalue their... I think they... Might not necessarily have any idea either way. Meaning they could overvalue themselves because they come from a country where, where the standard living is X and yeah. they should be paid X, but then they come to Israel where it might be lower and there they should be paid lower. So there's that aspect. It's it's not so much undervaluing. It's not knowing how much I'm actually worth in the industry for mm. stop. Mm. And that's something Vahim helps a lot with, right? We help uh, only prepare for the job market and also give them, obviously, the, that's the basic stuff, give them the salary survey so they can see what they're supposed what they're supposed to expect um but what about the skills and the way that um, that uh, that israelis present their skills and their capabilities do you see that 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 you have to sometimes um drag a little bit more out of of internationals or or in, especially like in the into technical areas um or yeah i think i i definitely think that's the case also just trying to get that foot in the door networking doesn't necessarily come easy unless you're used to doing it and mm. People in Israel will scream and shout until their names get heard. <laughs> and it's just, it's not something, it's not the way you do things in a lot of other countries. It's, it, it's, you put your hand up and you wait in, or you wait in line. And here it's, I've just got to be out of the box. I've got to do something creative. I've got to do something that stands out so that people recognize me. So absolutely, it's the whole thing, whole way about how you conduct yourself and get your name out is very different. Mm. Obviously, the salespeople would be, naturally from abroad would be good at that right yeah. because that's something they anyway do abroad but i'm talking more about them um, you know technical support engineers data scientists data engineers 
um, in, in place like that. So um, what are the skills that AppFire has a hard time finding? What are your biggest challenges in your recruitment? So I'm going to say a cliche here right now, and that's industry experience. Ah. Um, especially, I think something that's re when a lot of companies realize with Corona is it, how it's so difficult to onboard people remotely. But if that person already knows a bit about the job or they know a bit about the company or they know a bit about the different types of people they're working with, or even as a software engineer, if you understand the concepts, then it means that it's going to be easier to onboard you. Mm. And that's, that's something that a lot of companies will just, it's an asset if you already know. And you can still, in theory, for listeners out there, if, you're, if you know AppSfly because you've worked in similar companies overseas, that's still a massive asset coming to Israel because you can speak in their languages or you can speak in terms of data. You can pull it all out here and there. Then 100%, it's, it's something that absolutely highly values. Um, obviously, language um, is a big part of it. Is like, can you, even as a software engineer, you're working as part of a team. You don't have to speak Hebrew, but you do have to be able to speak basic English because that's really the international language, even at companies like AppSlot. Yeah. But you would imagine, though, in, in team meetings, people do speak Hebrew still, right? Absolutely. So how does someone who just landed, how does he fit in? You, uh, will he yeah. be able to join your conversations, right? So I can't speak on behalf of all companies. I can speak on behalf of AppSly in this. And I can say that we have instances where people join our teams and they don't speak a word of Hebrew. Mm. And it means that we just conduct the entire team meeting in English. <laughs> and first of all, it means that our team gets to improve their English. And we also expect that over time, the person will also learn conversational Hebrew. Mm. So we're an international company. It means that we should be able to speak basic English anyway. And if it's someone who's really valued, and if it's a good team to be part of, they'll go out of their way to make sure you understand everything. Mm. Even if it means you've got the team meeting and then also it means taking you aside afterwards and saying, just going over a couple of things here and there, just to make sure you understand the only question. And you mentioned earlier about um, where you look for, for talents and how you source them, right? Yeah. You mentioned Telegram groups, you mentioned uh, some Facebook groups. Um, where's a great place for, let's say, for the engineers and data and the technical? Yeah. Where's, what's a good place? Where's some good groups to be part of? So, for specific, specifically for Olin, you've got Olin in tech um, because it's just anyone who's trying to make make a career here in Israel and has a technical background, they're looking to work in a software engineer, data analyst, data scientist, product management role. That's kind of that's the small community that you can kind of work with. Um, you also have Tzolot Bahaitek, which is an Israeli group of people of just anyone in the high tech who are cracking jokes about anything. There are different groups in Facebook also for different fields, for software engineering, for data science, um, meetups on different topics. That's a great way to network. Now that we're beginning to open things up a little bit more here in Israel and you can actually um, meet people face to face, it's a great way to actually network with people and get to know more about different industries, who's who, yeah, and it just it's another way to get yourself out there and get to know people. And and how could how could someone make himself visible? And what are the things that you notice when you're looking for talents um, on LinkedIn, on the way they present themselves and stuff like that? So posts, LinkedIn profile. It's a, think about it this way: LinkedIn profile is somewhere where you can be even more colorful than you are on your CV. CV is kind of like this is a list of my experience. This is what I've done. These are my skills. On your LinkedIn profile, you can really express yourself a lot more. You've got your summary and you can kind of like say who you are. What's your thought process? What's your, what's your belief system? How do you go about your day-to-day -day work? What are your interests? Okay. 
and then kind of just summarize in a couple of lines also your overall experience. So that's one way you can do it. LinkedIn posts in general is another place. If you're a software engineer, I recommend having a GitHub page and you kind of upload your own work. Um, so these are just basic things that you can do to kind of get your name, get present yourself well um, and kind of turn yourself into, okay, this is an expert. Another, another platform is Medium. Medium is essentially a site for blogs. And if you simply write some blogs about about fields that you're interested in, you know, you discover new technology or this is your belief on how to do this type of um, coding system, whatever it is, or on data science, on product management. If you share your beliefs and your passions and how you go about your day-to-day -day work, it's going to raise your profile. And tell us about the whole referral system. You have it in, in Appfly also, and, and the data show that success rates come through your referrals. What is a referral and how can Nolay tap into that? So a referral is essentially when um, one of the company's employees submits a candidate or recommend, recommends a candidate for a, for a particular position. Um, essentially why it makes a difference is because we tend to prioritize, the companies will tend to prioritize referrals to go to this system then versus any other source because it means that this, the employee, first of all, knows the company, knows what type of culture we're looking for. They might also know the role itself, so they can actually have more, they've got more credibility than someone who's a complete stranger or they than someone who just applies via the job page. So we give more credibility to those sources and also we want to incentivize our own employees to be able to build trust with us and submit their friends and bring their friends along. We want people who are fun to be around or who are going to add something, contribute something to our culture. So um, at AppSlide, we do have a referral program where not only do we encourage people, but we also incentivize success, successful um, hires. But it's also we we have we have a whole system to make it easier, which means that in our recruiting system, um, re referrals can come through a few different ways. First of all, the employee themselves can submit a referral, and when they do that, they can say how well they know this person. Meaning, it can be from I know them personally, I work with them, and I really recommend them to I don't know them, but I've heard great things about them. To I don't know them at all. Okay, and obviously, well, the more the more the person, the more the employee knows them, the more value it has, the more credibility it has. Another thing you can do is, is simply through a referral link. What em what employees can do is they they can actually just share a job description, and whoever applies to that job description will be credited to that to that employee. But if it's not something that someone that the person knows, then exactly what does it mean. It simply means gives that person extra credit, and it means we're more likely to pay attention to it, but okay. still not give it the same value as if it was someone who's directly referred. Yeah. So okay. So how would someone, um, if you come here as an OLA and you don't have a lot of connections, then what is what is what would you suggest someone to to get those referrals? Like it doesn't, you know, you have to know them to some extent. The person who's referring you. I think it starts with, and this is something that even I struggled with in the beginning was reaching out to complete strangers. Yeah. Reaching out to complete strangers, whether it's adding them on LinkedIn. I, I think LinkedIn is probably best because Facebook is still for actual friends. But reaching out to people on LinkedIn or just getting to know people at events, even if you see them, you know, you see them at a bar or you see them at a coffee shop, whatever it is, and you start making those connections. Mm. And you start going from there and you generate that. It's kind of got to do with the social connection, making friends with people and then you can kind of filter in that conversation, like talking about what you're looking to do or what are you doing in life? Yeah, I'm looking for a job. Uh, uh, I, I'm hoping to get into this field or that field. And that's kind of how you can work things in. And then it's kind of just comes kind of down to making friends. Yeah. 
Cool. Um, what about juniors? I mean, we, we talk a lot about, and also in Epsilon, I know that you are hiring a lot of senior people, right? You need a little bit of experience. Yeah. So how can a, again, it's a chicken and the egg, right? How do you get the experience when you get the, you don't get the chance to, as a junior, to get that first position? What is your, what is your advice to, to get over that hump of getting those first two or three years experience? So I think it's something we all discussed in this podcast is how do I make myself memorable? How do I make myself memorable and do things that kind of are either funky or just like creative and people people will remember you and when you reach out, I'm like, yeah, oh, I, I've seen your stuff. Mm. It's you're, you're creative, you're clever. It's someone who's got a sharp mind, even if they don't have a lot of experience, but this is someone who if we, if we invest in them, mm. like it's going to pay off or they're a hard, we can, you can already see how much of a hard worker they are. Mm. Like if you give them a bit of time, it'll pay dividends down the line. So that's just one way to do it and it kind of goes back to networking. Obviously, if you're the other, I think other ways is if you're a student right now, it's mm -hmm. paying attention for student positions and using those to leverage your career. Yeah. So um, I think we're going to see more and more student positions open up. It's still not going to be a massive amount, but we're already seeing now that Corona is kind of stabilizing that people are more likely to hire students. Mm -hmm. And what are the, when we talk about again, let's go back to AppsFlyer, what, what, how would you describe the culture there? and? What for who would it be a good fit to work in AppsFlyer? So the culture, I think it comes down to we look for people who are thinkers. We look for people who not only can just contribute, but they can also offer something extra, mm -hmm. meaning they can bring their own ideas. You know, I think some people, they want to be able to express that. They want to not just be like told what to do, but they also want to be able to suggest things. AppsFlyer is a culture where we welcome that. Mm -hmm. Okay. AppsFlyer is also a culture where we work very quickly and things change all the time. And it means there are some people who it's not really suitable. If you're looking for something that's really stable, AppSlide is probably not the place for you. What do you mean stable? You mean like you mean like things change, right? Things change, things change the way, all the time. The, the way you work changes. Your job is constantly evolving, and it requires you to learn all the time. Mm. And for people who are looking to do the same thing on a regular basis, AppSlide doesn't really offer that. Mm. But if you're looking to constantly learn and be challenged and be like, okay, now I have to learn something new, or it's well, this industry just changed. Then if you're looking for that excitement, AppSlide welcomes that. Like it requires people who are willing to be agile and how they work. Yeah. And adapt. Adapt, exactly. Cool. So thanks a lot, Benji. Um, is there any positions right now that you wanna you wanna promote more specifically that you're currently hiring a lot for in AppSlide that you feel or is it just general with the board you're allowing for a lot of positions? So we're always hiring software engineers. Yeah. Um, fresh off the press, we're about to hire a machine learning engineer. Um, two, years, two years of experience in data science. Um, when it comes to our marketing team, we're always looking for native English speakers who are good at content writing. We're currently hiring a Spanish-speaking account executive, which is like a sales role. Just think off the top of my head in terms of um, the different types of roles we're looking for. We're currently hiring a Russian-speaking support engineer, essentially someone who's got experience SQL and can work with that. We recently person. just hired one of our participants, right? That's right. That's exactly. right. I hired him off Oliman Tech. So um, we constantly have roles. I can tell you that in Israel, we cover, we're based, we have the Russian market where we have a strong presence of our team here in Israel. So Russian speakers, we have a lot of demand for those roles, but also just in general, English speakers, particularly for the marketing team, for almost any role, English is completely fine. You don't need to have Hebrew. Great. Any other last words you have advice? Um, I think now is the time to kind of get excited that things are opening up again. 
It is, and 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 we just mentioned talked about that, right? Yeah. This quarter Q1, something's happening in Israel, right? In the something's industry. happening when you look at all the, the amount of companies that are going public. It's a good time to be a software engineer in Israel, but also just to be in Israel when it comes to if you're talented and you know if you've got experience in in technology, if you have background in a software company, there's a high demand right now, and there's a not big enough talent pool to work with. <laughs> exactly. Great. Thanks a lot, Benji. Sure. Always a good friend of of Olin Dulun community and special Gvaim. Um, it's great to have you here, and um, hope we'll find you more talents in the future. Yeah, and uh, feel free to reach out to me if there's any questions or anything.